0: As we recruit across the state, the Midwest, and even the nation, more and more people are learning the name Indiana Wesleyan. But we usually get one of two responses. So for example, yesterday I called a coach from a prep school in Connecticut, one of the best schools in the country. He's got two players going to the SEC and two going to the Big Ten. And his first question was two national championships. How have you guys got players good enough to win two national championships? But then there's another set of coaches. And the first thing they ask is, tell us about I am third. What does it mean to put God first, serve others second, and yourself third? But what we haven't found much is a coach that asks us, how are these two connected? Does I am third have anything to do with the excellence that you guys play with, that your program operates under? And today we want to talk about that. We want to talk about three different things that we think lead from I am third to excellence. And these three things are hunger, habits, and humility. Now in every college basketball game, there's an average of 78 possessions of offense. So 78 times we have 30 seconds to get the best shot possible. So we wanna be a little interactive with you guys. We know there's probably no one in here looking at social media, there's no one doing homework. So we know everyone's gonna talk as we ask this question. If you don't, that's what we call a turnover. So you have 30 seconds on the clock to turn to somebody and answer this question to the best of your ability. What's your deepest hunger? What's your biggest dream? Maybe the way to think about it is, if your phone is turned off for 15 minutes, if you're driving in the car and the radio is broken, where does your mind go to? So you have 30 seconds to turn to someone. What's the biggest dream and the deepest hunger that you have?
1: Well, if you're like me, and you speak really loud, and you hear Tom Brady say there has to be more, my first response is, seriously? Bro, you're making $60 million. You're married to Giselle. I mean, not that I know what Giselle looks like, but you can imagine what a supermodel looks like. And you're the absolute best in the entire world at what you do. What is Tom Brady talking about? I think he's talking about hunger. And you know, science tells us that hunger pangs are a universal experience, right? We all have them. It's that moment where your stomach starts to cramp, it starts to turn, chapel's going a little long, you smell Chick-fil-A. We all experience those hunger pangs. But I think scripture tells us that spiritual hunger pangs are also a universal experience. That deep longing, like Tom Brady said, is there has to be more. You reach your dream, you reach the pinnacle, but yet you long for something deeper. I think it's important to understand why we all have this universal spiritual hunger pang inside of us. I think it can be traced back to Genesis 1, 26. Here we find God, and he says, let's make man in our image. We bear the image of the triune God. God declares us to bear his image on earth. We are image bearers. And I think it's important as you think about what does it mean to bear God's image? And how does that relate to hunger? We need to understand, bearing God's image for us is not a singular event on a timeline, but rather it's a movement, it's a progression, it's a recovery of that image. And throughout life, we go through these periods where we hunger for more, and what we hunger for is not 60 million dollars, not a supermodel, not to be the absolute best, but we hunger for something greater, a recovery of the image of God that he has placed upon us. See, the human race is restless for fulfillment, of life not yet realized. Let me put that in another way. The human race is hungry, and they're hungry for something greater. But the problem is I think we often misinterpret our hunger. I got a two-year-old who I think is the cutest thing in the absolute world. She wakes up earlier than my other three children, and she'll come downstairs. She'll get a little restless in my lap, so she'll leave, and eventually she comes back, and she says, Daddy, my tummy hurts. And it just breaks my heart. And initially, I used to look around in the medicine cabinet. I'd go get my wife, and I figured it out that her stomach doesn't hurt. She's not sick. She's just hungry. And it made me think about the way we misinterpret our own hungers as human beings. We often fill our lives with junk food. I can imagine by a show of hands how many of you guys have went to Taco Bell at midnight within the last two weeks, right? And think about junk food. It's cheap. It's accessible. It initially sounds great, but then you get back and you lay in bed and you ask yourself, what the heck did we just do? (laughs) Because it never satisfies. It delivers up front, but in the end it never satisfies. Well, the junk food of our day and of our time is a me-centered life. It's the opposite of what it means to serve others. It's the opposite of what it means to put God first. You see, I'm gonna pull up a slide here and you can see the, the depiction. Oftentimes, me enters the center of our lives unintentionally without even knowing it because we have this view of God. We we think God exists to affirm our deepest desires. So we begin to then structure our life around this idea that if I can just get more of myself in a variety of ways then I'm gonna be happier, more successful, more powerful. And just like junk food, we find out it never does deliver. Because when me is the center of my lives, and we could spend a lot of time on this but I'll just quickly go through this, We think people are put into our lives for our purposes, so we need the affirmation of people. We long for what people say about us, and they never deliver. We see power, and we look at everything good in life around us, and it's really a struggle for power. And then we see possessions, and God gives us talents and gifts and and all kinds of possessions, but the reality is we never enjoy those possessions because they have a control on us. We don't actually control them because me is the center of our lives. But what we need is God to flip that, to flip that appetite of me and to make us hungry for more of him. When he realigns our appetites, he quenches this eternal thirst that we have that can only be quenched by an eternal God. And oftentimes, I need examples in my life. I need pictures. I need to reflect back on those times where I had the right attitude. I had the right hunger. And we're going to tell you some stories just about our team today so that hopefully we can tell the story of I Am Third. And we don't pretend to say, hey, we've got it all figured out. Our guys are perfect. But we're, we're hungry right now for something greater than ourselves. And I think about that moment for us. We came off the national championship in 2016. And similar to Tom Brady, in our little world, in our small world, it was, man, that's the pinnacle. That's unbelievable. But yet we found ourselves unsatisfied. I remember sitting around that night in the hotel room thinking, what is next? God, what are you going to do next? Because although I thought that was going to be the greatest thing I've experienced, there, there's got to be more. And so we began to seek God, and one of the ways that God really gave us a hunger for was prayer. And he took us on a, on a path of, of learning how to pray in, in different ways, deeper ways. And one of, the, one of the really cool things that happened is our locker room really became a place of, of prayer. And there's a story one night, I it, uh, texted my athletic director, and I said, Hey, can we pray at 11 o'clock? I, I need a little prayer. Some things going on, got some big decisions to make. And, and like any good athletic director, he said, Heck yeah, let's do it. Well, he shows up at 11 o'clock that night thinking, I meant 11 at night. I'm, I'm in bed long before that. He walks in our locker room, and he, and he walks in. He walks upon two players. I believe it was Aaron Murray was there, a senior for us, and Grant Zawaski, a sophomore for us. And they're writing names of their teammates on the board along with scripture, and they're going back and forth just praying over lockers, just a deep hunger. It's 11 o'clock at night. Nobody's around. The lights aren't on, but there's a hunger for something greater. My athletic director, Coach Michael, just shares with me that he needed that prayer time at that moment, and for him, it was an opportunity to just go deeper with a group of men. And it really relayed to me what hunger can do for us. Well, what we're seeing too in the discipleship process is once we get the right hunger, it leads to the correct habits, and habits shape and cultivate our lives like no other way. You know, psychologists tell us this about habits that they're hardwired into our being to help us become more efficient. Right? We have habits all the time that we don't even know we do. For instance. You wake up, you brush your teeth, you go to the bathroom. You don't have to think about those things because they're hardwired into you. They've saved you time and energy so you you can give your attention to even greater details in your life. Well, in the same way, I believe God hardwires habits, spiritual habits into us that lead us to not only greater hunger but greater transformation. And just like anything, habits are very hard up front, but there's a huge payback on the other end. And if we can go through the discipline of developing those habits up front, The payback in the end is huge transformation for our lives. And I think about some of the habits we have as a culture right now. And and some of these are my own. Social media obviously dominates our lives. And for most of us, the last thing we see before we go to bed and the first thing we see when we wake up is social media. It's a me first platform that is all about me. And what that's doing is it's filling our lives with junk food. It's filling our lives with the things that don't make us hunger for more of God. What if we flip that? What if we said, God, for the, the last remaining minutes of my day, I just want your ear. I just wanna to talk to you. I wanna lament, I wanna praise, I wanna sing. And if we started to fall asleep just talking to God, and then the first thing we woke up, we didn't go to our phones, but instead we went to the word, and we actually believed it was the living word, the active word, the word that speaks to our particular people today in our own context. And I think if we did that for 30 days, The bookends of our days ended with God's ear, started with his word. What kind of habits would that cultivate in our lives? What kind of hunger would that cultivate in our lives? And for me, the example was one of our juniors this past year had a big influence upon me. And I like to do things outside of basketball once in a while with our guys. And one of the things I like to do is I like to bow hunt. And him and I were going to go shoot some some targets one morning. And I got up early and I realized I had overscheduled. So I texted him and, and said, hey, you know, when you wake up and you get this, um, I can't go till later on this morning. Does that work for you? I get a text immediately back from him. Yeah, that's fine, coach, let's do it. And I thought about that for a while. Why is he up? It's 5.30 in the morning. What, what is he doing? Well, later that day we got together and I said, hey, I'm sorry if I woke you up. He goes, no, you didn't wake me up. I, I've been starting to think about my own life and I've been starting to think about the godly men that I know, the men who lead their families, the men who really love their wives, the men who are in the church building it, the men who are out in the community serving others, all of them. They get up in the morning and they get into the Word. He said, and that really challenged me. So from now on, every morning I'm up and I'm in the Word. And I thought, what a powerful habit. That's not only cultivating hunger, but it's going to lead to transformation. And what we're finding in this discipleship process is once you have the right hunger, it'll lead to the right habits. Now what do you do with all those things? You point it at other people in humility.
0: Hunger, habits, Humility. Philippians 2 speaks of imitating Christ's humility. It says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name above all names, that the name of Jesus Christ every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now that passage has been the IW athletic department passage for over 10 years. I've had that internalized for most of my adult life. But isn't it amazing how sometimes the word comes alive to you and you see something you've never seen before? So when we think of humility, I don't know about you guys, but a lot of times I think of lack of assertion, shyness, and some private thing that we do. We are humble in closed doors. But if you look at Christ's example of humility, you see something that's a little bit different. Two things we pull out of that passage that we talked to about our guys this year that we learned and we grew in. The first, when it talks about Christ's humility, it describes him as being in nature God. That's not denying who he is. That's proclaiming who he was. So to imitate Christ's example of humility, we have to recognize our own strength. We have to recognize our own position. We have to recognize our own power. If you go back to Coach Tonego's slide, power, people, possessions. Then the second thing, it says he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So Christ's expression of humility in Philippians 2 wasn't only a private act where he banished proud thoughts, but it was a public expression where he leveraged his position for the sake of other people. So if you look at Bob Peters' video, what he said, I have these habits, I'm up early, I'm working on my game. Why do I do it? I do it for my brothers. I do it because I'm serving my teammate. And what we found, if you look at these two slides, when you live a me-centered life, All these things are pointed at yourself, and your world becomes smaller. When you live an I am third life, God first, others and your teammates second, yourself third, all of a sudden you can point these things at other people, and your world becomes bigger. And oftentimes we think, if I give something away, what's left for me? But what we find on the basketball court, what we find in our lives, whatever it is, whatever position, influence, power, possession, whatever people in our lives, when we leverage what God has given us for the sake of others in obedience to the Father, the pie gets bigger and I end up getting more for myself. So I wanna take you guys back to that first question. And I'm gonna give you another 30 seconds, but this is just individual prayer time. This is between you and God. Think about your dream. What's the thing that you're hungry for? Some of you were honest, some of you weren't. For some of you, your hunger may be for a relationship. It may be for more Instagram likes. It may be for a job, maybe to win a national championship. Play your dream out to the end. If everything goes exactly the way you've seen it go, who gets the credit? Take 30 seconds, pray and think on that. I remember the first time we won the national championship, the buzzer went off. And I remember I looked at Coach Tonegal. He looked at me and later we both had the same thought. How do you celebrate? We've never planned for this moment. You don't think about that moment. You think about the game, you're doing the game plan. So we didn't know, so we go through the handshake line and our players go and they form a circle and they pray and they thank God for the opportunity. And we were blown away by that. Because that wasn't my first reaction. My first reaction was to go and tell somebody about what I did. My second reaction is, I got to go tell recruits because we need more. Well, what we've learned is if the ultimate benefit of your dream is yourself, you're always going to be like Tom Brady saying, there's got to be more than this. There has to be more. Doesn't matter if you win a Super Bowl, if you marry the, person that you got your eye on right now, if you get $60 million, you're gonna be saying, there has to be more, there has to be more. So final question, and then we'll close in prayer. What's one way you can take your dream and you can approach it with an I am third attitude, whether it's putting God first in that dream or putting someone else second and serving them. Take 30 seconds with your neighbor, the person that you already said, here's what I hunger for, here's my dream. What's one way you can point that at someone else? Go. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful to be in an environment like this. We all do long for more. We long for a bigger and better life. But we need you. Thank you for your son and the way he modeled this, the way that he lived his self-sacrificial life. We praise you for his example. And we just pray you speak into our hearts how we can follow that lead today. In your son's name we pray, amen.